punch drunk. The punches weren't really necessary. Maybe they were super necessary. Welcome to episode 13 of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favorite combat sports podcasted podcast hosted by two dudes who cannot fight and know even less about fighting than they think they do. I'm your host, Lewis, and I'm joined, as always, by my guy, Adam. I'm slow in my words. I'm sleep deprived. But my goodness, it was worth it. What an incredible UFC event we just witnessed this weekend. Lewis. What a fucking weekend of sport. I know the time zones are the worst possible thing for you, but mate, I know we've got a I know we've got an audience around the world, but to the Aussies that are listening, uh, there was no I can't remember feeling so happy to be an Aussie in a long time, especially with all this covid bullshit. And uh, uh, then I was yesterday, man. I, I've never been so patriotic. I'm not one to be patriotic about a country, but Fuck, it was good to watch every minute of that fight and the way that he came through. I couldn't be prouder of him. It's time to put some respect on this man's name. Hopefully he becomes a a bigger name around Australia because we we were talking about that last week. He's just not – he's got the respect in the US, in a few other countries, probably more respected in fucking New Zealand than he is in Australia. And finally, I think people are starting to pay attention. You know, we've got – Done a little bit of research today, mate. We've got Kathy Freeman's 400-metre gold. That's probably up there in one of the greatest ever Aussie sporting moments. The miracle on ice, Stephen Bradbury, the one everyone knows, <laughs> collapsed over the line three times or something like that to win Winter Olympic gold. That man, that man has got the biggest nerve in the world to pretend he's an Olympic gold medalist. What an absolute fraud. And then we've got... He's up there with, with Aljamain Sterling. Absolute paper champions, the pair of them. Um, Yeah, I reckon you'd probably bash Al Jermaine Sterling. Um, When we've got the one everyone talks about, America's Cup, 1983, 25 year. I think it was 25 years the US had won America's Cup in a row. Ridiculous. And Australia somehow won it. Does anyone actually care, though, about that? That is going to be my point, mate. Who the fuck no. cares about that? And that's one of the biggest yeah. fucking deals in Australia. No one gives a fuck it's, about no one, sailing. No one cares about sailing. It's And yeah. Bob Hawke, who ironically made sculling beer, like an Australian thing. He's the one that fucking started it, you know? And he said, and I've got the quote written here because I didn't want to get it wrong. I tell you what, any boss who sacks anyone for not turning up today is a bum. This is a day for all Australians. Well, I'm here to say that wipe that one away because no one gives a fuck about sailing. <laughs> Alex Volkanovsky defying the odds, surviving two submissions to defend a UFC belt is in the top three maybe. I love Kathy Threeman. It's one of the best stories ever, but I'm, it's one of the best ever Australian sporting moments. So I'm raising a glass to the Volk and then, as I said, did two shoeys. One out of a fucking thong that was called a flip-flop too many times. Um, one A UFC slide. And then he did one out of an Under Armour <laughs> shoe at the press conference as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was uh, happy to be in Aussie yesterday, man, in case you haven't noticed in that uh, little monologue. Yeah, you in, in, in the past 24 hours, you're... Aussiness has amplified yeah. <laughs> Ten, tenfold. You've just become the most ocker bloke ever. Yeah. Uh, usually pretty chill and even keel. No, in all seriousness, though, this did feel like it was Alexander Volkanovsky's coming out party. That he was, now he is a huge star. He's an icon of Australian sports. Nine Wide World of Sports Twitter handle was tweeting about the fight afterwards. 
Channel Nine doesn't know dick about mixed martial arts. They never tweet about it. They're, all, you know, they're probably the most recent tweet was something to do with Chuck Liddell. They just don't. They're not relevant in terms of of MMA, boxing. They stick to your traditional sports. But even they were tweeting about Alex Volkanovsky, and it was such a huge card. And I think he benefited from the return of Nick Diaz. There was a lot of hype. Two championships on the card, stacked from top top to bottom. I'd be very curious to see what the pay per view numbers did. In terms of the uh, the gate, it was huge, huge sellout crowd. I think it was 19,000 people or something like that. It was a monstrous event. And it seemed that the whole world was tuned in watching this fight, watching Alexander Volkanovsky retain the, the featherweight strap, but really lay claim to being, being one of the greatest featherweights, if not the greatest featherweight of all time, which... Only 24 hours earlier probably would have been an absurd thing to say because of how questionable some people have his second win over Max Holloway. But the reality is he's won both of those fights and he then dispatched Brian Ortega in vicious, vicious fashion. There was a lot of talk that this was a whole new Brian Ortega. He was a different different uh, level of fighter compared to the one that Holloway had beaten up on. And it probably but was. Outside of he was, he was. But outside of those two submissions, Volk dominated that fight from beginning to end, pretty much. Ortega landed a couple of shots. But it was those two submissions and those which are Ortega's bread and butter. His nickname is T-City because of how many triangles he gets people in and how good his triangle uh, submission attempts are. Volkanovski was able to survive those. Nice feather in the cap for the, the Craig Jones school of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But really, this was an incredible statement, arrival, growth, and announcement, whatever you want to call it. Volkanovski is now a star of mixed martial arts. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he wasn't before, but we just witnessed one of the greatest title fights of all time that somehow didn't have a finish, had multiple moments when it, there should have been a finish. In reality, it probably should have been a TKO. Ortega had to be helped back to his stool at the end of the third round. He was done. For all intents and purposes, Brian Ortega was absolutely done at the end of that third round. I thought Herb Dean had waved it off. I thought I thought it was all over. Fair play to Ortega. You seriously have to credit him. And I like the way Volkanovski conducted himself after the fight as well. They sort of seemed to bury the hatchet. There was a lot of respect between the two of them. Ortega couldn't believe that he couldn't put Volkanovski away with those submissions. On you know, on the other hand, Volkanovski couldn't believe that Ortega came back after that third round and, and, and kept fighting and wanted to continue to compete. All round, an incredible card. But the the talking point, the main event, really wasn't just it was it was everything you could have possibly wanted from a featherweight championship fight. It truly was an exceptional, exceptional fight. I've got a question for you. Pretty easy one to answer. How many fingers are on the human hand, including the thumb? <laughs> that would be five. Yeah. Uh, guess how many guesses Brian Ortega had uh, at how many fingers am I holding up? Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I, I, I I was watching it on photos I was like seriously they they asking him again because he kept like looking away and apparently apparently he he said something in Spanish to one of the one of the uh, the doctors or someone there basically like I can't see shit but be cool <laughs> and said it in Spanish. And then was buying time. Apparently, that's I've, I've seen some tweets floating around. I don't know how legitimate that is, but we can definitely know that Brian Ortega was not in a fit state to continue that fight. Yeah, it's a fine line between courage and stupidity, man. And it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. But I don't know if you're talking longevity in in the sport of MMA. It's it nearly would have been better for him to to not come back out after that third round. The fight was done because of what had yep. happened in those first three rounds, and. Uh, like, yeah, he earned some respect, but what is that worth if um, you, you can fight five times less or you're, you know, you're brain dead when you're 35? Like, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, and Brian, Brian Ortega doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed anyway, and so he probably didn't need to take that uh, ex extra beating. We just need to go back to another fight in the in the featherweight division was Max Holloway against Calvin Cater. Now, K Calvin Cater somehow survived that beating, took took a UFC record number of strikes over, over five rounds against yeah. Max Holloway. He didn't need to. That fight was over after three rounds. His corner should have protected him through and tell. He's still not fought. He had to take serious time off, 
let his face recover, let all the swelling come down in his brain and 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 get right mentally because it takes a lot to overcome such a one-sided beatdown, particularly when you particularly in that instance when he was priding himself on his on his uh on his boxing. And you just wonder when we will see Brian Ortega back in the octagon again. I would be shocked if we even saw him in, in 2022, if I'm if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, or it's, uh, it's 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 certainly it certainly won't be until uh, the second half of 2022. So uh, I just yeah. think it was unnecessary for him to take that damage, and perhaps his corner should have been looking out from a bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess let's like get straight into that fight because what like there's been so many good fights this year man. Like, I feel like nearly every pay-per-view like that's fight of the year that's fight of the year even on the fight nights there's been a couple where you're just like that's like one of the best fights I've ever seen like the level of every mm-hmm, fighter mm-hmm. is becoming so good that the level of fights is just incredible but yeah like I'm, I'm half joking about it being you know one of the greatest Aussie sporting moments but the cliche of like the Aussie spirit is just exactly what Alex Volkanovsky did in like that's what like you could he could be undefeated and just knocking people out all in the first round and I feel like Aussies would like him less than if he's doing stuff like he just did then, like surviving the adversity and pushing through stuff like that. And it's been belted around that many times, like he's played rugby league and all that sort of stuff. And you know, like you know me, I'm the I'm the AFL man, I'm the anti rugby league guy, but I know how crazy this is gonna sound. But in the weirdest way possible like it sounds so crazy coming out of my mouth, but in a weird way, rugby league is nearly just if you're just talking about like the physical effort it takes to play rugby league at at a pro level, it's like harder than a cage fight in a weird way because though like, I don't even know how that sport is illegal. Some of the stuff that happens at the top level now, but those guys just cop hits from 130 kilo dudes consistently right. yeah, yeah. for 80 minutes straight. So you've got to be minutes, very awesome. fit, cardio fit, and then you need to be really, really strong and explosive still. And it really is the perfect pathway to MMA and like. If he didn't have that background, I honestly don't think he gets out of those submissions the way he did. But he's had blokes laying on top of him that are double the weight that Brian Ortega weighed in that cage, and he was probably he probably just feels like, oh, if I can get if I can get through that, I can get this bloke off me. And some his head was going purple in that first attempt, and he just I don't know how he got out of it. I was um. Yeah, I thought it was over. I was devastated for, for a good So did I. I seconds. was like, I, I, I thought it was done. I was like, he's dominating this fight and he's just got caught. I was like, well, there's going to be an immediate rematch. Uh, I expect him to to potentially win the rematch. In my head, I'd already gone down that path. It was so deep. And seeing Ortega throughout his UFC career tap so many people with, with ease, just once he gets hold of your net, that's it. It's over. There's nothing you can do. And... Somehow, Volk was able to survive. He was able to generate that tiny little bit of space to give himself the breathing room. And I do think that ability comes from his incredible. He's got insane endurance. And part of that does come from the fact that he played high-level rugby league. Not He didn't play in the NRL. I think it was yeah. semi, semi-professional level, which is yeah. still a high level. But he used to carry around 97, 98 kilos and run for 80 minutes. He's now... 60 kilos and that that cardio will stay with him he will have built a base level of cardio obviously he's in much better shape now he's an elite level athlete now but that base that he had and the ability to 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 go and go and go and that level of endurance has stayed with him and he shows that through all of his fights but in particular when you're being choked and you're not able to get any blood circulation going having that insane level of fitness just gives you those few extra seconds to survive and the ability to keep thrashing around to keep kicking those legs despite the fact that you're not getting the the fresh oxygen oxygenated blood that you need and he was you saw in that in that uh, guillotine he was kicking his legs he was writhing he was making it difficult for because what a lot of people all of a sudden a lot of people will just go limp and they'll start fighting the hand and, and that's it it's all over yeah. volk was just thrashing his whole body like a like a lunatic. He looked like he was having a seizure and he was able to put the impressive thing was he not only got out of it, got out of one submission. He was like, Oh no, I'm good now. And stayed on the ground, got in, got caught in a triangle, which is Ortega's speciality, got out of that and then continued to unload ground and pounds on Ortega and wanted to stay on the mat with him. 
wasn't very smart. And I think he said that after the fight as well. He's like, yeah, it probably wasn't the best thing to do tactically. But up until that point, it was it was domination. He he landed l- shot after shot on Ortega, and fair play to him. He's got a heck of a chin as well because Volk clipped him clean quite a few times. But it was just the pressure he was able to put on him. He drove Ortega backwards, and Volk was not a stationary, flat-footed target like the Korean zombie was. And everyone talked about how improved Ortega's striking was, which is true. He's he's developed. But we talked about this when we had Chris Riemann on the preview show. It's all well and good when you're taking the center of the octagon, walking forward against a flat-footed fighter. He was never going to get those looks against Volkanovski, and he put on an absolute clinic. Yeah, and... Yeah, you just can't hammer that point home about the cardio and the fitness because in any sport, it's the fittest guys do the best things when the game is on the line On in any sport, especially in team sports. Yeah. And it's because they're the, the most conditioned nearly 99.999% of the time is because they're the most conditioned. And when you're not exhausted, you make better decisions. And the creativity of sport and the art of martial arts is so easy to demonstrate when you're, you know, on the mats at the gym and you're not tired, but when you're three rounds mm-hmm. into a fucking war, that's the guys that can do it then are the guys that um, are the best in the world. And, yeah, he he sort of proved he had everyone questioning whether he deserved to be the champ and he passed with he flying colours last night. Flying colours, flying colours, yeah. I, you're absolutely right about the decision-making as well, which leads me to believe that you must be exhausted all the time because your life is just a series of bad decisions one after the other. <laughs> the only bad decision I've ever made is um, starting this podcast with you. But um, <laughs> uh, other than that, I think I'm going all right. <laughs> only the worst decision was saying hello to me when I when I walked into that class for the first time at uni. Should have known. Yeah. Should have known. <laughs> as soon as I heard that accent, I should have fucking turned a blind eye. <laughs> done these ones and. Uh, but yeah, on, on a serious note, like. Uh, uh, we, we've got was it like six seven weeks it was nearly two months without a pay-per-view and if i'm being honest like i was kind of just you know feeling towards the ufc i was just like oh yeah it's just another like it's, it was just another sport to me for a little bit like all the other sports that are on at the moment that i'll just watch because they're on and then as soon as this pay-per-view started and to be honest like nearly the whole card was exciting they um yeah, I fell back in love with the sport for the one millionth time in the last like five years. You know, it just, oh, I think it's the best sport in the world, man. When it's at. When it's on, at, there's nothing more exciting. Uh, it's the most electric sport to watch. It really is. So let's let's stay on Volk now because we got lots of other um, fights to talk about. But while we're talking about Volk and Oski, What's next for him now? Because Max Holloway's just had an opponent booked. He's going to be fighting Yair Rodriguez, which is going to be a wild, wild fight. Yeah, Rodriguez Holloway. I, th- I think I think Holloway wins, but that's going to be great. And there aren't a lot of options around the featherweight division right now, um, because he's obviously just beaten Ortega. Uh, Giga Chikadze is there at four, but I still think he's one fight away from a, a, a title shot. And the Korean Zombie, you can't give him a title shot after he got demolished by Ortega, who just got beaten up by Volkanovski. So it's looking a little thin off the ground. And so maybe we've got to little, get a little bit more creative with the next few opponents of Volkanovski while the division sort of sorts itself out. And one of the names that's been injected into the conversation is Henry Cejudo, which I absolutely hate. He's he Same. called him Alexander the Average. Yep. He wants to be the he wants to be three weight division champion in the UFC. Remembering he was the uh, uh, flyweight champion, moved up, captured the bantamweight title, subsequently retired, and has been away from the sport for a while. He keeps injecting himself in the conversation. To be honest. I got no interest in seeing that fight. I think Volk is too physical, and even though he's short, he's too strong. He's too big for Cejudo. I just, I've got no interest in seeing that fight. Neither. Let alone no, the no, fact no. that Cejudo hasn't been in the testing pool. That fight is at least six months away, and so there's other options that can emerge by then. I just think Cejudo is trying to keep his name relevant and trying to, you know, be be part of the conversation without actually wanting to come back and fight. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't even want to add to that because I think it's stupid, him fighting him. I think he wins it. I think if anything, he has to go up a little bit in weight, not – not. I know they'd probably fight for the for the featherweight belt, but Cejudo isn't a featherweight fighter, so it would feel like he's going down in weight to fight the guy anyway, if that makes sense. And Yeah. It's, uh, yeah I'm the same. No interest in I don't think Vol- Volk has nothing to gain from that fight. He has nothing to gain because if he wins, it's like, yeah, you should beat him. You're the, you're the bigger guy. Yeah, exactly. He's a much smaller opponent. If he loses, you're like, you're the guy who just lost to the Hobbit. So yeah. what, there's, there's nothing, nothing to be gained for Volkanovski in that fight. Conor McGregor called him out, um, called him called him a shart or something like that. It's a character like for Conor, isn't it? Call someone yeah. out on Twitter. <laughs> weird. Very, very weird. <laughs> Unexpected. Although he was bizarrely complimentary of Nick Diaz. But again, there's no way Conor gets, ever gets back down to 145. He seems to be targeting a return at 170 at this point. He talks about 170 all the time. He's constantly posting pictures about how buff and jacked he is. He has seriously got small man syndrome, Conor McGregor. Yeah. He, but he, he desperately wants... Great. He does look great. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, he does, but he desperately wants to be six foot tall and like 220 pounds of just lean muscle. Not everyone can He's just look upset. like Gus Lewis. You gotta get I know, I know. Head, I, right? you know. He, might have, he might have a billion dollars in the bank. He might have proper 12. He might be a two-division UFC champion, but he'll never be 6'2". And that's something <laughs> that helps me sleep at night. <laughs> Says the bloke that hasn't slept all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, that's that's that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. I am uh, I'm running on fumes at this point, right. but but let's let's talk about this. Let's let's try and figure out some reasonable opponents. I do think Con- Connor. We know Connor can make one fifty five, no problem, and because he's just competed at one uh, one sorry one fifty five. I meant to say one fifty five. Yeah. So Volkanovski said, no problem, he would go up and fight Connor at 55. Of course he would. That would be his biggest payday. That would be huge. Your star always goes up, win, lose, or draw, if you get in the ring with Connor McGregor. Yeah. McGregor's still a while from, from, from coming back. I don't think he started full training again. As far as I'm, I'm aware, I watched a video put up by Chael Sonnen. He asked the doctor, Connor McGregor's going to be absolutely fine in terms of coming back. He's had a steel rod, a titanium rod, put inside of his bone, which uh, I think is going to be... He's going to be fine to, to make a comeback. If you're Volkanovski, that's the fight you want just because of the, the money. That's a tough fight for Volk, though, because Connor's, you know, quite a large 155er at this point with the, with the size he's put on. Volk is 5'6". I think Connor's about 5'8", 5'9", something around there. Quite a rangy fighter. Um, Volk isn't the best takedown uh, you know, specialist. He's he's well rounded, but it's his work ethic and output. But you just it'd be it'd be an interesting fight. I genuinely don't know how it would go, but I think moving up to fifty five is going to be tough for Volk because he's just going to give away so much size because he he is a small dude. Yeah, I look. It's probably not going to happen, is it? A Conor McGregor Volkanovski fight. Maybe maybe if he beats Holloway again, then Conor would be like, all right, he's he's worthy. If you know what I mean. But um, yeah. In a weird way, if he's going to go up to lightweight, like if you're not going to fight for the title, Connor's the man you fight because one for the obvious reasons that everyone knows about, but two, he, Connor isn't—he's he, not the best fighter in the lightweight division at the moment. So of course you no. can. a perfect person to fight. Is if if you're putting him against Charles Oliveira, against Dustin Poirier, against the—it's murderer's row. That's the best division in the entire UFC. Like they're all savages. Connor's the guy you fight because. Yes, he's still such a dangerous fight, but fucking hell, the the ups are just way outweigh the downs. And Connor's Connor needs a win still, so Connor might maybe he looks at it and goes, "This is when I can win." I'm like, "This guy's this coming up to win. me. Yeah. He's a little guy, you know." And it's gonna it'd be huge. It'd be a huge fight just because it's Connor, but because of what just happened yesterday, everyone would it'd be the biggest talking point in the sport. So who knows? Maybe there's hope for that, but. Oh, who hasn't Connor called out in the last three months? Exactly. He's talking about fighting Nick Diaz at 170 now. It's just all over the place. And I've enjoyed the champions fighting each other. I think it adds a, an interesting element. But I kind of just want divisions to just get on with it and defend your belt in your own weight class. And there's always going to be more challenges. There's a lot more depth there. It's not going to end up like the women's divisions at the moment with Shevchenko and Nunes just absolutely cleaning them out. We've seen it time and time again. Champions end up losing in 
in these in these divisions. Yeah. And it let's be honest, Holloway could very easily win that third fight. <laughs> Holloway's incredible. So and there's the last, still a lot. The last time we saw Holloway as well, like arguably that's the best ever fucking featherweight performance the best we've ever, seen. Best ever, if it wasn't best yesterday, ever that's the one we've seen. Like. Right, and so. There's so much to do in that division still, I think, to be looking up at 55 with anything other than Conor McGregor just doesn't make sense. The Conor McGregor fight, you just go, yeah, fine, because I'll, I'll make $10 million in this fight. I'll be set for life. Yeah. That's, that, that, that I'll become a huge name. But anything, I just don't think it makes sense. I don't think it makes sense fighting Henry Cejudo. Because even though Cejudo had two big belts, two belts, I, I think, said at the start, he's not a huge name. No one cares outside of the hardcore fans about Henry Cejudo. He's not a huge name in combat sports for the casual fan. Everyone's like, who, who, who is Henry, Henry Cejudo? So uh, the, the, the fights I would like to see, obviously we want to see the Holloway trilogy fight. I think that makes sense if Holloway wins. Um, you know, there's, there is Giga Chikadze there, which he's peeled off three impressive wins in the row. He's 7-0 yeah, in honestly, the UFC. I he's probably the next guy if it's not Holloway. So, so you may, maybe you book that fight. Maybe, maybe you do something like that. The other one, a bit left of field, and I think he's probably just going to have one, one more fight in Bellator, maybe two. But AJ McKee, and they've uh, Volkanovski was asked about him, and he said, "Well, to be honest, our resumes don't stack up," which is true. McKee doesn't have a resume like that because he hasn't had the opportunity to fight anyone that, uh, to the same caliber that Volkanovski has. But McKee's the real deal. And we talked about him a little while ago on one of the, the podcasts. He he is the best featherweight, not in the UFC. And quite frankly, he would come in and be a top three or five featherweight in, in, in the UFC and probably get an immediate title shot. So that that could be something that's really interesting as well uh, for, for Volkanovski. And the fact that his name is starting to be mentioned uh, and Volk's called him out a little bit and he said he's going to start being a bit more of a heel, start calling people out because it helps sell fights. It helps build interest. That could be an interesting fight down the line as well. I don't think if, if, if Volk could remain the champion through 2022, maybe in 2023, that's a fight we see for, for Volkanovsky. And realistically, he's not fighting again this year. We might see him fight twice in 22 because champ, it's difficult for, for champions to have, uh, to, to to be thoroughly active throughout the year, and so maybe we see, maybe we see him do Chikadze, Holloway, and then an AJ McKee to start twenty twenty three, something like that. Yeah, I, I think like obviously if Holloway didn't have a fight booked, I think everyone goes unanimous at the next fight to Holloway. Like, would you agree? Hundred percent. And respect yeah. to Holloway, and it was something that Volkanovski just said. He's he was impressed. He said Holloway didn't need to take that fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So true as well. He, he did. He really didn't. But he wants to stay active. He wants to compete, and so he's going to fight Rodriguez in, what, what in November. All right. So that, that's that's in November. In my head, I, I go. The move is you just wait, and best case scenario, I think for everyone involved, is Holloway gets a fucking first round easy finish, and then you go. All right, let's book it for February or March next year. Holloway rematch. That's the yes. best possible outcome, but. Yeah, Holloway isn't known, obviously, for the uh, first-round KOs. It's most likely going to be a, a longer fight than that. And then Holloway's ruled out for six months plus. And then six months because he's got an iron chin and yeah. Rodriguez kicks him in the face exactly. ten times. Exactly. So I think we, um, yeah, we need to, we need to basically expect that there's going to be another Volk opponent before Holloway. And, yeah, I think you're right. I think Chikadze is prob- probably the man. Um, and who knows, man? He, he, that guy's a fucking savage. <laughs> he could probably, he, he might be, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Volk's. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be thirty three uh, in two days' time. So happy birthday to Volk in a, for a couple of days. I know, I know, he's an avid listener of the Punch Drunk podcast. Yeah, so that'll be a quiet weekend then for him. Yeah, quite quiet weekend in America. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to want to get as many fights in as possible because you know he. It's a finite time. He's got a short short shelf life, especially down at those lower weights and the wars he gets into. So maybe he only has two years left at the the very peak of the sport, 33, 34, maybe it's 35. So, yeah, I can see him wanting to get a fight as as, as soon as possible. So maybe he does take uh, the Chikadze fight. And again, I think that's a 
a, a good good matchup for him because of Chikadze's style. Likes to come forward, likes to throw uh, kick, uh, techniques moving forward. We saw him push Edson Barbosa back. I think Volkanovski can create that pressure and close the distance and and put hands on Chikadze and you know, it's all it's all over. So I think that's a, that's a fight he can win, and I'm sure he wouldn't. He certainly wouldn't be afraid to take that matchup. But let's now move on because we spent half an hour talking about Volkanovski and Good. as much as much. Yeah, absolutely worthy. But we've got some other stuff to talk about. As well, the co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko defended her belt in completely easy fashion. As we predicted, it was a murder of Laura Murphy, who was completely outclassed, got beaten up, was toyed with, was yep. played with. And then when Shevchenko decided she wanted to end it, she put a hurting on and was close. I thought she was going to go Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey style because she was Murphy was staggering and I was expecting a head kick to come up and you know, f- fold her in half, but it didn't happen. She let it put her on the cage and and, and finish the fight from there. Yeah. I Speaking of taking unnecessary Murphy, damage, yeah. I felt sorry. For, I felt sorry for Murphy, and she had no business, really. No, no one. Does. I just think he's no business fighting for the title. No one does, right? Yeah. No one does. Even Je- Jessica Andrade came out and had an impressive win against yeah, Cynthia. Awesome. Cynthia Cavillo looked really good, but there's no appetite there. And afterwards, she didn't call out Shevchenko. She called out. She wants the winner of Rose or. Uh, Wei um, Ling, right? Yeah. So Smart she knows. She knows. There's like no one wants to see me fight Shevchenko. She doesn't want any of that smoke. So she's just won. She's the number one contender in her division. Has just won against the number five ranked fighter. The champion is on the card above her. Has now defended a belt, and then she calls out people who fighting for the title in the weight class below. It doesn't make any sense, but. Yeah, she doesn't. And she obviously doesn't her. want that I fight. She, I don't blame her either. She was humiliated. There's no, there's, n- there's no one in that division who can beat Shevchenko. Nobody, and there won't be until a sup- uh, a, a supremely talented lifelong martial artist comes up, a great athlete, and catches Shevchenko on the downside. That's the only way it's happening. Yeah. She's too good. She's too professional. She was made in a lab. She speaks a hundred languages. She's definitely a spy. She's Jason Bourne's wife. Like there's. <laughs> she's not a real person she was made in a lab i'm sure of it yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah uh let's just move on i reckon because she did everything Look, one she's thing i will say do you think do you think murphy's corner should have thrown the towel in she was taking a beat in i think they should have thrown the towel in what's the go with that because i swear there was a point where you couldn't throw the towel in like there's like a rule where ufc coaches can't throw technically there's like no throwing the towel in in ufc it's like you can i think oh, really give up i think the fighter can uh, the fighter has to give up th- or it's in between rounds it's it's a vi- it's way more complicated than it should be um but yeah i think that she should have tapped when she was walking out should have just walked to the cage waved to the fans and the first round starts and she just kneels on the ground and just taps the canvas and says it was nice being here i don't want to take any damage um i'll just take this as a loss yeah, um, I'm trying to look. So it says you can't you can't throw in the towel. If they do so, it would result in an instant disqual- disqualification for their fighter. Well, it's the dumbest thing. It, but, but the only thing can I can think of why you wouldn't in between be- rounds and all that stuff. So oh, no, no. yeah, yeah, and I'm get that's that's a weird one. And maybe they don't do it because if you're disqualified, maybe it has like a negative impact on your earnings, your fight earnings. It doesn't count as a lot. I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird one. But Murphy, Murphy for her own good should have yeah, should have. There is no him. shame in giving up in a fucking cage fight. I don't care what the circumstance is. If you're not in the right mindset, man, you just fucking yeah. If you've out. taken a beating, yeah. and so let's talk about that. Let's. There's Nick Diaz. He essentially gave up. He was just like, you know what, I'm yeah. I'm done here. Uh, into the third round, and anyone who wants to call Nick Diaz soft or a quitter, I don't have time for it. He. He took some shots. Clearly, he didn't want to fight. He never wants to fight. He always talks about the um, the the conflict, the mental conflict that he has between being good at fighting and not wanting to do it. It was very clear that he didn't want to be in there um, before the fight. I thought the first two rounds, he looked pretty good. He got off to a very, very slow start, and he looked slower than usual. Now, Nick, Nick, sorry, Nick Diaz has always looked like a slow fighter because of the way he throws, uh, he throws his strikes, but he... They're accurate. They land, and you know he 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 landed plenty of shots on Robbie Lawler. His shots to the body looked fantastic, but I just don't think he was conditioned. And I think that's probably we now saw why they asked for a ten pound increase in the weight limit. He just 
looked like he hadn't been that committed to training, uh, which is strange because the one thing you should be able to absolutely bank on is that the Diaz brothers come into a fight conditioned as all hell and, and, in, gr- and in great shape. So that was a strange one. I thought Robbie Lawler looked good. He looked in great shape. Yeah, he looked, he looked so very fit. well conditioned. He ate a ton of shots from Nick Diaz. And again, they don't look like the heaviest shots, but they accumulate and they and they're so and he precise. Have, he hits the so precise, spots, and yeah. he just hits the perfect spots. And he does have heavy hands. We saw 17 years ago when he knocked out Robbie Lawler. It wasn't a huge shot, and we've seen it before with Diaz. Those shots just accumulate. But it was a, it was it was a, it was a strange situation. I thought something had gone in his knee the way he sort of too, went down. Yeah. But appa- apparently he's start, yeah. yeah. Apparently he was fine. He, he just took one too many shots and decided this this isn't going the way I want it. And why would I stay in here and get beat up any longer than I need to? So yeah, I agree with you, mate. I'm not gonna um, not gonna be the. The, uh, it's a pussy. Yeah, the ESPN first. The take, one person has to pick one side. One has to pick the other, and we'll yeah. just argue. Stephen A. Smith. Nick Diaz is a disgrace. <laughs> How can you get in a cage fight and quit? What are you a man? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think t- if you're not in the right frame of mind, the smartest thing to do in in a cage fight is fucking get out of it and leave. Yeah, because you, you're just doomed otherwise. And um, it does seem like he's going to fight it again. Was weird, like he it was weird. The whole thing was weird. Why wasn't he fit? They're, the, they're known for doing triathlons in their spare time. Yeah. Why was he this not whole, fit? The whole thing was really weird. And, he, and I don't think he was motivated for this fight. And he kept saying over and over again, this fight doesn't make sense. Whoever set it up was stupid. And they are they are weird. And Nick's even weirder than Nate. And it was it was strange. But he signed the bout agreement. He talked about having some shape, like mm-hmm. issues with his management. I don't think he's tired of money. I know he's not fought for a long time. But no, no, he'd be I think, and, and Nate would look after him anyway, even if he wasn't. Yeah, there's no way Nate's not going to take care of him. Nate's earned millions upon millions. Yeah, and you know, he has that. He has a house in Vegas. He has a full time driver, according to the UFC Embedded. So I think, I think he's, I think he's fine. He owns a gym and he coaches and all that. So I think, I think Nick Diaz is probably fine financially. I saw someone float around the idea of him fighting Diego Sanchez. Uh, I don't want to see Diego Sanchez fight again. Like he's. Uh, but no, I don't want to see Nick Diaz fight again if he's in that. It's silly, man. It's it doesn't make any sense for him to fight again. As as much as I think if he comes cool. in fit and motivated, yeah, it was course, cool. But I, I don't think he's in. I don't think for like he didn't take any like super damaging shots. And I don't. People are like, oh, Nick Diaz, like he's meant like he's been damaged mentally. He's got CTE. No, Nick Diaz has always been like that. He's just crippled with social anxiety, and so you put him on a microphone and he can't string. You can barely string two words together, a bit like you and I when we do this podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) that's not surprising to me. I don't think he's been a massively damaged fighter. He's 39, 38 years old. Lawler's 39. I'm still happy to see Nick Diaz compete again at his proper weight class at, at 170 because the dudes don't quit hit quite as hard down at 170. I, I, I'm certainly wouldn't be mad to to see that. And I'm just going to pull up the rankingmma.com uh, rankings here, which I don't necessarily think align to the UFC ones. But <sighs> Robbie Lawler was down at 19. He'll probably move up a little bit. <sighs> it's hard, man. It's hard. No, there's no one in the top ten. You go, oh yeah, he 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 should get that fight. I t- you know, Daniel Rodriguez could be a, f- a fun a fun one. Rodriguez has been on a, a winning streak and he's he's building a bit of of rep. But yeah, there's 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 not a whole lot that stands out. You go, oh yeah, I'd love to see Nick Diaz fight that person. Yeah. So on it's one hand, a, I want to see him come point, back. I but reckon. There's no point predicting yeah. what the fuck he does. Like, how, how can you predict oh, no. what Diaz does? Nah, that's a fool's fool's errand. Fool's errand. So let's yeah. um, yeah, let's let's go. Good, the, good for Robbie Lawler. We and, sort of and, touched and, on and, Jessica Andrade. Um, oh, the heavyweight fight, the Blades Rosenstrike was a fizzer, absolute fizzer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, re- sort of went the way we predicted. I think in of terms course. of the wrestling, <laughs> Rosen Rosen's to. <laughs> Rosenstrike just—he's not well-rounded enough to make a sh- to to make a run for the the heavyweight belt. Uh, neither of those. So neither gonna, of those guys are gonna. Oh, they're not gonna beat Cyril. They're not gonna beat Francis. They're not gonna beat fucking John Jones if he comes in. And they're probably not gonna beat Stepe either, man. So they can fucking fight. They can have a trilogy of their own if they want. 
Yeah, yeah. That's my opinion. Um, I love the heavyweight, but if they're not, if they're not, um, if they're not the top echelon, I don't want to see them do three round pretend you're skillful fights. You got to try and knock each other's fucking head off. Don't don't just be so hesitant about it. Like, give us a show or or be that elite level. And they were neither of those. I, don't, I didn't think anyway. Yeah, although you know the fans were booing and. Blades I think if you're fit. in the audience, Blades looked like he'd uh, Blades are really fit. He's trained really hard. Yeah. If if you're in the audience and you're booing someone who's trying to avoid getting hit by Jarzinho Rosenstrike, yeah, yeah, your punishment is you need to you need you need to get in the cage for thirty seconds and let Rosenstrike hit you, and your head will explode. Yeah. You know when you see videos of a melon being dropped from a height onto onto a concrete floor and explodes everywhere. That's what would happen if most people got in the cage with Rosenstrike. Their head would explode. <laughs> Yeah, no, I watch those video videos all the time. So, <laughs> Which um, is a, a lot of exploding head videos. You get that. I did. You get get on the dark web. Grade five, man. You, I, know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, all right, um, rest of the cards. Uh, that's pretty much everything on the main event. But let's talk about the two um, sort of the, the the feature prelim bout and the co-main event on the prelims. The first one, Marmor Rice against um, Merab Davishli, was just crazy. What? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Chris, uh, who was on last episode, said, you know, Merab had to do something to make the UFC pay attention, get the fans interested, because he's literally wrestle fucked his way to a decision in every single fight up until now. And the way he was able to survive and come back and overcome the beating that Marais put on him, like wow, he was on, he was on slippery roller skates on banana skins on, on like cooking grease. Like that's how slippery his feet were. So he was in my kitchen. <laughs> he was in your. He was in your kitchen. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, you don't want to have incredible. A there's that. There's a picture. There's a picture where Marab is like splayed against the cage, and Marace stood over him. And it's like, how did this guy lose the fight from there? He he not only weathered the storm, he nearly knocked out Marace at the end of the first round with with like hammer fists, <laughs> with the ground and pound, rocked him on the gym. Marace was all over the shop, and then he just couldn't recover, and that was it. Um, Shame for Marace, but he put on a great fight. I think that will buy him some graces with the UFC. Really exciting fight. And Marab now uh, coming in at the um, in at 135 has, has certainly injected himself into the conversation with a division that's got a lot of uncertainty about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm so eager to get to this hooker fight because I have not... That, that, let's just get to it because... That's the best we've seen Dan Hooker, and we've seen him in some pretty cool fights. That's easily the best version we've seen of him. Do you agree? Correct. The best version we've seen from him because he was so clinical, he was so professional, and it makes it even more absurd when you know that he hasn't trained for the past month with anyone else in a gym. He's just been going to the park with his wife and kid, running sprints, shadow boxing, bodyweight exercises, trying to stay in shape and keep his weight down, which is absolutely insane. But he looked clinical. He he didn't go for the wild knockout finish, which I think was smart because Nazrat has got power and yeah, he's yeah. coming off a knockout. You don't want to see anyone go back-to-back knockouts. He said he learned a lot from those two fights, but really just uh, a remarkable performance. Credit to Nazrat for, for, for turning up, making the fight happen. Uh, but, but good strategy from Hooker as well, who... Utilized his 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 wrestling and showed another side to his game that they re- really hadn't seen. Now I don't know much about Nazrat's grappling credentials, so I'm not going to stand here and all of a sudden that say that Dan Hooker's got f- top five wrestling or grappling in the division or anything yeah. like that. But certainly he showed he's got some more tools to his game, and that will continue to evolve as he gets back to being able to train with other people and uh, some potentially different and better opponents in in 2022. Yeah, I've got two two things to add to Hooker. The first one. Being, I asked Chris in, in the preview app if he thought he had a chance of like uh, act, like being a legit title contender. And to be honest, I was like in my head, I, I'm like probably not. Dan Hooker's probably just not quite at that level. After seeing that fight, I'm not saying he's going to be the champ, but I can see the potential of him 
maybe, maybe become a title challenger at some point. And the other thing is the fact that he had all that prep and the way that his game plan was, like, city kickboxing, man, how fucking good are they? Like, oh, that, that, absolutely. that is a demonstration of good coaching. If, if anything else, it's good coaching. Good coaching, great strategy, uh, really, just a really, really good performance. And the difficulties that he had to get to the fight, he's now talked further at length about how unfairly the city kickboxing gym has been treated during lockdown. They've not been treated like professional sports organizations. The, the New Zealand government has refused to work with them. They've had media stalking their gyms, taking photos of them, ratting them out to the to the police. They've had police come around, threatened to uh, to jail them. They were threatening them with prison sentences if they continued to, um, which I don't know if police are aware, but that's actually not the police's job to decide a prison sentence. So, you know, keep keep that to yourselves, New Zealand police, if, you, if you're listening, that's not your job. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's certainly a sad state of affairs when MMA is not recognized as a professional sport. And that's quite clear based off Israel's comments recently over the weekend, based off Dan Hooker's comments. He's, he said the powers that be in New Zealand have been looking for an excuse to, to, to shut them down. They've tolerated them because Izzy's been champion. They've been winning fights, but they don't view mixed martial arts, the, the, the media establishment, the governing bodies around sports and things like that. They don't view these guys as professional athletes like they do their cricket team, like they do their heralded uh, rugby team who could probably do anything. They've been granted exemptions for travel, exemptions for quarantine, exemptions to continue to train, all of those things. Yeah, they, they let you know. the All Blacks play with COVID, I reckon, those guys. Oh, they, yeah, 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 absolutely. Ab- absolutely. They, they, they will let the, the All Blacks do whatever they want. Yeah. And so the treatment of the city kickboxing team has been, has been poor, particularly when – a fighter's prime and career is one of the shortest you will find. And when you're in your prime, you need to maximize your earnings. So it was no surprise to hear. And it's a shame we didn't have this news when we had Chris on, but hopefully we can get him back on the show to talk about the ramifications of, of this. I think it'll be he'll be disappointed from a personal aspect professionally. You know, they've not been able to get that same level of access. Mm-hmm. But it seems that City Kickboxing is now going to be relocating to the United States. Where? We don't know. But uh, Israel announced on on Instagram, he's moving there. The, t- the gym's moving there. The whole team is moving. So it wouldn't surprise you, obviously, to see Dan Hooker. I think Volkanovski is likely going to go there because even though he's tra- trains out of the gym in, in Wollongong with uh, Joe Lopez, they're very much associated. They go and, and do camps together and things like that. So it wouldn't shock me to see to see him move his family over there and really maximize and and, and get, him, get as many fights in as possible. And with that, this is an excellent gym. They're going to have so many more people coming to that gym and wanting to train with them and learn and, and help grow that team. It's going to be a, a sight to behold. I'm very, very curious to see where they land. There's been talk, talk of, uh, of uh, Denver. Obviously, Florida is a hotbed for mixed martial arts. There's some great teams down there as well. California. Um, yeah, it, it'll, uh, be, it'll be one of the top five MMA gyms in the next, within five years. It'll be... It'll be one of the biggest be, ones for sure. Yeah, I think it's a great decision. Um, you know, congratulations to Eugene Barrowman and the rest of the coaches there because this will put them over the top and, and and probably see them, as you said, become one of the premier MMA gyms in the world, not just a smaller gym with a, a bunch of great fighters, which they are now, just by virtue of the fact they're in a really small country with very small population. They're gonna they're going to explode. It's going to be huge for them. And I think it's a great decision. And uh, I believe... Uh, New Zealand, um, you, let one, you let one go. That, New Zealand be, have fucked up massively here, man. If they in soon, there will be a separation between that being a New Zealand gym. It will become just like an American gym or a worldwide gym. And like they should be wearing that thing as a badge of honour. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all, but Israel earns a hell of a lot of money. Um <laughs> And those fighters are going to be earning big, big money soon. And, you know, that's yeah. a nice nice chunk of income tax, which has just left the country as well for, for New Zealand. So yeah. congrats, guys. The government is probably lucky that it seems like those guys love their country so much. Like they literally yes. love, like they are true patriots. So they're probably going to forgive the government before the government, um, you know, embraces them, which is just shows who they are. But, yeah, yes. it's, pretty, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty sad, actually. 
It is sad, but I'm excited to see where they land. I think it's uh, exciting for MMA. It's exciting for those guys' careers, and hopefully it means we see them be a little bit more active. We've got, yeah, um, exactly. um, Kai, I believe, Kai Car of France has a, uh, has a matchup already set, doesn't he, with... Um, yeah, he's got a fight. Uh, I don't even going to with uh, Cody Garbrandt in 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 November. Oh, yeah, good. Or oh, just December. Excuse me. It looks like maybe December. But Kai Kara France is going to fight Cody Garbrandt, and I believe he was one of the fighters who's leaving the country without a hotel voucher. So he might decide to just move his whole family over there for that fight, or if he's not there already training. I'm not sure what his situation is. We'll have to check in with 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 Chris on that one. But. That's an exciting fight in the context of that division in the in the one in the one twenty five pounds uh, flyweight division. Really exciting, and we've oh, oh and just as an as- a side note, it's been announced that we're going to have a uh, trilogy fight with Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo, who are at the, obviously the draw, the the win for Moreno, and they're going to be fighting again um, on the same card as Kai Kara France against uh, against Cody Garbrandt. So. Be? That's going to be great. A lot, a lot of implications for that for that division coming up. Any other um, fights you wanted to tackle from that card? Yes, yes. Chris Dorcas looks sensational. Chris Dorcas looked brilliant. He knocked yeah. out um, Abdurimov twice in that fight. He was he looked really really good. He's on path to you know getting a crack at the heavyweight title down the line. That's not going to happen anytime soon. He talked about the UFC's intention intention to keep him and Tom Aspinall separate. It obviously makes sense. Mm-hmm. Tom Aspinall on a, a 4-0 winning streak in the UFC looks sensational. He is ranked eighth. Uh, Chris Dorcas. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not exactly sure what the UFC rankings are. These are the Americans. But either way, those guys are going to stay on yeah. separate paths. I think it makes sense for As- you know, Aspinall doesn't have a fight booked as yet, but I think it makes sense for for Aspinall to to and he's talked quite openly about taking it very slowly, about how he's developing and learning and he wants to get lots and lots of fights and earn lots and lots of money while taking as few risks as possible. So he's happy to go one at a time incrementally. Um he's a he's gonna be a star, that kid. He's, yeah. he's good and he's yeah. hilarious he's got personality yeah, as well he's, he's, he's hilarious smart. he's very smart very smart and he's his bo- his boxing is we know he's going to be good if he's he's been a chosen sparring partner for tyson fury in the past uh he's he's yeah so tom aspinall's 11 chris dorcas is ranked 10th uh okay. so they can't keep him separated forever per the ufc no, that'll be a good rank- match rankings. if they get to f- fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth and then yeah yeah exactly right they 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 end up fighting for like the title you know a title eliminator uh something like that that would be really cool so both both of those guys looking exciting and chris dorcas's brother kyle i think is fighting on the next next ufc event uh so the dorcas brothers doing really well kyle dorcas called out three names uh, including stipe which would be electric stipe active firefighter chris dorcas active a uh, police officer in the Philadelphia PD. We know that in, in the US, that's a really big thing, a big rivalry, police versus firefighters. Even just non-professional fighters, they they have them all the time as fundraiser events. They have boxing and combat nights, police versus firefighters in, in every city. In, in the, that would be huge. That could literally sell out a stadium because you would get so many first responders go into that fight. They could turn it into something huge. They could probably leverage it into a into some charity beneficiaries as well. I think that'd be, that'd be really cool. And that'd be a great challenge for, for Dorcas. And I think it would be a huge payday for Stipe as well. So that could be, that could, that would be really interesting if that was to happen. The most American thing that's maybe ever happened. The most American thing. (laughs) There would be jets overhead. There'd be more American flags than you could possibly count. (laughs) It'd be, it'd be electric. It'd be great. And I'm I'm totally, I'm totally, uh, totally there for it. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that. But, that was probably everything we want to talk about on that card. We've got to say the punch drunk parlay that we gave out missed by one bloody leg. That'll learn me for, for, for picking, picking Nick Diaz. But I think, I think five was ambitious. We, we, I think we did, we did, we yeah, did pretty we well. We did pretty well with legs. that. Um, uh, wise degenerate once told me you bet with your head, not your heart. And we went the heart for one leg and that's the leg that cost us. So um, we should have known. We should have known, like just. So what we're going to do for the next Diaz, event is we should have known. Double down. We're going to double down, chase like you when you go losses. to the casino. Chase your losses because when you go to the casino and you play roulette, you just keep doubling up until you win. Because eventually, you'll win all your money back. That's how it works. That's math. Exactly. And uh, if there's one thing we know, it's fighting. And if there's anything else we know in the world, it's maths. So listen to us. 
jump on board. If you're like me and you lost a few thousand dollars on the weekend, it's just money. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Kids, what you need to do, and kids, I need you to listen very carefully. What you need to do is when your mum is sleeping, tiptoe out into the kitchen, open up her handbag, reach in, take out that credit card, open up your betting app of choice, and deposit, 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 Nets. and start riding with the Punch Drunk Parlay because we are going to turn your life around. We are. We really are. Um, I, I believe on some betting uh, some betting agencies, if you missed out by one leg, you actually would have got your money back. So if it's your fault for being on the wrong uh, site, like me, and um, you're an idiot, like me, and um, you should have chosen the right one, unlike me. So... Stay tuned. I, I think we'll just stick the parlays to pay-per-views because we don't want a gambling to become an addiction and every week thing. We'll do it every pay-per-view just as a little treat. Um, we'll do a parlay for the pay-per-views. Maybe we might do like a a, lo- a lock a lock of the... Uh, yeah, or we might do the Dapto Greyhounds at 11 p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Listen, mate, if you're, if you're not punting on chariot racing, you're not living yeah, on the harness racing. Uh, yeah. Um, is there anything more degenerate than gambling on harness racing? Seriously? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I guess maybe um, being like a harness racing trainer could, could be up there. Um, Fix, giving fixing harness heroin. racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably up there. But, um, yeah, isn't that a weird thing? They, they give In the harness, they give horses shit to calm them down because they want them to be slow. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, uh, animal uh, abuse isn't funny. No, it isn't. But uh, voluntary human abuse, or you know, abuse of humans for money, such as cage fighting, is good and um, entertaining. And we'll keep doing this podcast as long as it's legal. And I think it's only—it's just like marijuana slowly becoming legal everywhere. You know, it'll, it'll get to New Zealand <laughs> at some point. But as we know, it takes a long time for anything to get to New Zealand. They're still at Ship, the point with yeah, sheep and all that sort of thing. It's a bit awkward over there. So slow and slow. I mean, it's illegal. Rights. It's illegal at the moment to go to the gym in that country. So I don't have much hope for, for weed at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't say anything. All right, let's, let, that. Yeah, let's, let's, um, let's, let's move on to our favorite segment. Who is Dana White mad at this week? There's a, there's a few. I think there's a few. Um, I'm mad at him mad first. At, I'm mad at him first for not doing. You're mad at, I'm mad at Dana White as well. The second best thing of it might sometimes that's the best thing of the entire fucking pay per view is Dana White's presser after, especially if it's a really entertaining or controversial one. Dana's the guy you want to hear from, and I was so disappointed yesterday. The lucky yeah, it's weird. Alex Volkanovski is one of the best pressers we've seen in a long time. Okay? <laughs> I would have been filthy otherwise. Yeah, no, he's uh, Volk saved the day. He's obviously, he's always mad at Oscar De La Hoya, but again, De La Hoya tweeted about how little money Volkanovsky earned and, you know, Dana accused him of faking COVID and his hospital performance was, he should have got an Oscar for it. Speaking of people who should have Oscars, he's probably mad at uh, Aljamain Sterling as well, who as predicted by Piotr Jan has pulled out of their uh, rematch at UFC 267 and Jan will compete for an interim belt against a yet-to-be-decided opponent. The tea leaves are looking like it's going to be Corey Sanhagen though, who's coming off a loss to TJ Dillashaw in a very close fight, but also TJ Dillashaw had to have surgery, I think, on both knees after that fight, so he's not ready. Uh, so that's probably what's going to happen there because they still want to make that a title fight on 267. But the person Dana White is going to be most mad at is John Jones, who found himself arrested again. What is wrong with you, John Jones? Stop doing drugs. Stop drinking and stop going to Vegas. Like, I know they want, wanted you there for the Hall of Fame. You should have said, hey, I can't go. Or you should have flown in and flown out immediately and not stayed. Because less than five hours after being inducted into the Hall of Fame, him saying he's ready to fight in 2022, he wants to be the greatest heavyweight of all time, he was arrested again. I believe there was some domestic violence involved. There was felony destruction and battery of a vehicle. We're still waiting for all the information to come out. He's been bailed out. He won't be in court for a while. But during during lockdowns, there was an incident that he, he pled no contest to as well. He's got some serious shit going on. And, and quite frankly, I can't see how the UFC can book him for an event because he's just not going to be able to behave. They can't really... They can't have a fight with him in Vegas. So you go, okay, well, where do we do it? That narrows it down to Texas and that narrows it down to Florida. But I think Dana White is seriously pissed because 
John Jones was going to be an absolute cash cow in the heavyweight division in 2022. And that looks like it is seriously in jeopardy. Yeah, uh, nothing more to add to that. Just just from a fan's perspective, just so disappointing because that's uh, one of the most exciting prospects is him fighting in the heavyweight division. And uh, it's just so good. The, the reason that he's had this many chances is because he is so, so fucking good. And it's like, how many more do you get, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the only reason he's got all his chances is because of his talent, but he hasn't really been active and he hasn't been as dominant as he used to be either, but he looks absolutely swole. He's been lifting heavy. He's like 260 pounds of pure muscle and it's a shame. It's a shame. So hopefully John can get his shit together, but I certainly won't be holding my breath. And finally, I know we primarily focus on the UFC on this podcast, but I think it's worth noting there was also heavyweight boxing title over the weekend. Anthony Joshua yeah. lost his his belt to uh, the mandatory challenger, uh, Alexander. Is it Alexander? Yeah. Yusik. Alexander Yusik, the Ukrainian yeah. fighter who becomes the third Ukrainian heavyweight champion in history after, of course, the vaunted Klitschko brothers. A lot of he was the underdog. Uh, I actually bet Usyk. I won some won some dollars on this one. Bet him to win by decision. He's an incredibly talented, gifted boxer. He dominated the cruiserweight division for a while, and he came up with the perfect game plan against Anthony Joshua. What, what, what were your thoughts on that, and how disappointed are you with the outcome, given the consequences and the ramifications of it? Yeah, I think uh, it's really, really sad state. It's it's a bad thing for everyone. Wanted to see Fury versus Joshua. Obviously, it's the most obvious thing. That's unlikely now. Um, it sort of shows everything that's wrong with boxing. I think there's too many titles in every division and it just makes everything so confusing and it makes fights like that nearly impossible now. But another thing, Dana White is not mad at boxing because that. Bo- the, the one thing that was keeping boxing, I feel like, still just that level above the UFC is how insane the heavyweight division has been in the last four or five years as soon as mm-hmm. Klitschko's domination ended, it became so, so exciting with Wilder and Fury and all this stuff. And boxing was back, you know, like the Tyson era style boxing. It was like, fuck, he, like this is when the heavyweights are king, boxing is king. And yep. that might that might be in jeopardy now. Really, this Wilder Fury fight, it, it needs to be something big because as we know, the UFC heavyweights are coming. And if John Jones enters that party, oh, man, the the combat game is there for the taking. So I feel like Dana White is licking his lips, but yeah, fair play to Alex Usyk. Um, I reckon Dana would have sent him a nice bouquet of flowers for that win. Yeah. Five, yeah. And the they, 50K goes to Alex Usyk. There's, there's a, um, there's a contractual, of course, as there always is in boxing for the world title, there's an automatic rematch clause in the contract. AJ's lost before to Ruiz. Andy Ruiz was shot in major upset getting knocked out by Ruiz mm. and then Ruiz just spent the entire time partying and getting fat even I faster get the than he is and the Ukrainian wonder go snorkel uh, Usyk is a terrifying terrifying looking human being and that could be an interesting rematch I expect Fury to dismantle Wilder and then you go well and AJ's already talking about oh well I'll fight Wilder and Fury without the belts I don't care yeah because all of a sudden you just realize that your big cash cow has gone but that's still a huge fight to make in the UK the Joshua Fury fight. It's whether Fury wants to do it in the UK now, especially now that AJ doesn't have the belts and we know that Fury wants to to uh, unify and, the division. And they probably just lose uh, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not a million, casual fan pay-per-view buyers, I feel like, if it's not the champ versus the champ. You know what I mean? Like the, the worldwide... Um, the appeal, the appeal definitely, yeah. the appeal definitely goes down for sure. That that changes things. Uh, it really does. So, um, yeah, if, if if AJ wins and gets the belts back, maybe maybe that's back on. But I think AJ's show now over and over again. He is one of the more overrated heavyweight champions in in recent history. You can't drop fights the way he has to to use it and come out with a poor game plan, lose to the likes of Andy Ruiz, and not convincingly destroy them in in the rematch. So. Yeah, I think I think Fury this would dismantle AJ if that fight does happen. But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to October and seeing Tyson Fury dismantle Deontay Wilder Me once too, again. That'll be really good. Cool. Um, all right, man. That's been just over an hour, so I think it's time to wrap it up. So as always, Adam, let everyone know where they can find us on the socials. 
at Punch Drunk Pod on Instagram, at Punch Drunk Pod underscore on Twitter, Punch Drunk Pod on YouTube, Punch Drunk Pod at gmail.com, and Punch Drunk Pod on TikTok. I think that is all of it. Apple, rate us five stars, Punch Drunk Podcast, Punch Drunk Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Punch Strong Podcast. This has been great. UFC 266 was absolutely electric. So glad we could get on the microphone so soon after the event and talk about it. And we'll be back hopefully next week, probably looking at the fight night that just happened and, and breaking down any other MMA news. So until then, thanks for listening. I'm Lewis, and that was Adam.